Hello everyone, welcome to the latest edition of the Four Lads Had a Dream podcast. I am delighted tonight to say that we will be joined as usual by Evening Times and Herald um, Chief Sports Writer, Mr Chris Jack. Chris, how are you? Hi Stevie, all good, thanks. We're also joined tonight by former Rangers left-back, Mr Stephen Smith, winner of three league titles, one league cup and also Scottish League One. Stephen, how are you tonight, mate? Perfect, thank you. Glad to be here. And also, um, for, for a first for um, Four Lads of Dream podcast, we are joined tonight by ladies footballer, five years at Rangers. Um, she had two years in America. She's now at Durham. Um, Crafton Hill, how are you tonight, Crafton? I'm good, thanks. Happy to be on. Okay, so everybody's here. We're all ready to go. Um, we're going to start with Chris. Chris is currently out in Portugal. He is covering Rangers training camp out there. Chris, how um, how is Portugal? How's the um, training camp? What is it? Uh, what are the facilities like? And what's um, the general feeling out there? It's lovely. If you're looking for a holiday destination, I can uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, I recommend Villamoura, very nice indeed. And more important matters in terms of the football, uh, Rangers based uh, in a, a training facility around about uh, half an hour uh, drive from here. Um, and as Stephen Gerrard said the other day there, we went up and met him. You really can't ask for much more in terms of uh, facilities. Uh, he really enjoyed their, their time out in Spain uh, two months ago, but I think they've, they've stepped it up uh, this year. Uh, there's, everything's laid on for the if the players and the, and the staff, they can't ask for anything. You were out and you uh, you had access yesterday um, with a, a short time with the manager. You were able to see the facilities. Um, what is Stephen Gerrard's view of um, the signings and um, preparation for the season? He's understandably, I think, quietly content with the, the job that the Rangers have done so far in the transfer market to get six, uh, seven signings, depending when uh, Joe Rebo gets uh, confirmed and announced. It's a really good start to the window from Rangers. They've, they've known for some time uh, what they wanted. They've known what players they wanted. They also got uh, Jordan Jones and, and Jay Casey done a while ago. Uh, but to then go and do the other business, getting Steve Davis tied up and then bringing the guys in, obviously Greg, uh, Greg Stewart, George Edmondson, Shay Ojo. Uh, there's a there's a lot of competition for places in, in that squad now. There's a lot of a lot of guys there that can come in and really stake a claim. I think they're maybe still a couple short in terms of starters. I wouldn't be surprised to see another centre-half come in. I'm assuming we'll talk about Ryan Kent's situation as well. And then that then just depends what happens up front. So it's rumoured it's rumored that um, Ryan Kent will be meeting with Liverpool um, this week. All the noises seem to be positive that, that Ryan at least certainly wants to come back and that... Uh, we will. We definitely want him back. Uh, what is your thoughts on that? What's your feeling on that? Is it likely? Are we going to get this one over the line? I would be fairly confident that it will happen. I wouldn't say ninety odd percent, but I think seventy odd percent would be fair on that. We spoke to Gary McAllister at the start of the week, uh, and he said the Rangers would be in pole position uh, if Liverpool decided to to loan Ryan Kent out again. Speaking to Stephen Gerrard the other day there. And he basically said, Rangers have done all they can to try and, to try and get Ryan Kent back. Now, their offer's on the table. Ryan knows where Rangers stand. Liverpool know where Rangers stand. Eventually, it comes down to what Liverpool want to do with him and then what Ryan Kent wants to do. If, if Ryan Kent wants to come back to Rangers, he will be a Rangers player. Um, so, certainly a bit, of, a bit of work to be done on that one yet. I think the Rangers fans should be fairly confident that they will see Ryan Kent in a, in a Rangers jersey next season. With that said, with... 
Jordan Jones, Jake Hasty, um, obviously she Ojo, um, possibly then Ryan Kent. That's four new attacking options. Where are we likely um, to go to dip into the market next? That's assuming that there's no outgoings. Um, where do you see the the next players that might come in? Assuming there's no outgoings, I think you're definitely looking at another centre-half. Again, when we spoke to Gary McAllister at the start of the week, he used the phrase, we needed numbers quite a lot when he regarded George Edmondson. The Edmondson's also in to play a part here and now. They also see him as somebody that can play a big part going forward and a young player with a lot of potential. But they were short of, of bodies at centre-half. They carried four last year. So that it leaves them one shot after Warrell and Gareth McCauley leaving. So... I wouldn't be surprised if you see a more established, a more experienced centre-half coming in uh, and at the end leave you as Katic and Goldson as, or Katic and uh, Edmondson, sorry, as key backup options to, to Goldson and us in your centre-half. Um, there's still a wee bit of doubt, but he'll do it at left-back. I think that this is a big week for, for Borna Barisic. If, if he can prove that he's got the right mentality and he, he can convince Steven Gerrard that he's He's got what it takes. You might find that he starts the season as as left back, and um, then see how that goes towards the end of the window. Um, apart from that, I don't see them doing much else. They're, they're well catered for it in the middle of the park, as I said. They're well catered for it in, in the wide areas. You're probably looking at another striker, depending where you see Greg Stewart or you see him as Nakel Lafferty's replacement in the in the forward line. So it's really just the final touches for Rangers now, which is certainly a fairly good job getting all these guys in. I suppose then. Uh, where where that leaves us um, in, in terms of squad-wise is to look at who's going out because we do have a, a very large squad on, on my count. Um, we're, we're talking about Aribo coming in, Ryan Kent will take us up to the high 30s. There's been a lot of noise about the guys that didn't make it, Chris. Can you just summarise who's not out there in, in the situation with these guys? And in terms of the, the guys that were involved in the first team squad last year, uh, Eros Gresda, Kel Lafferty and Graham Dodd, uh, Jason Holt, Jordan Rossiter and Greg Doherty. was uncertain, I would, I would think. Uh, I believe Shrewsbury are keen to try and take the Colt. It will leave the club. It looks like, I think it's fairly safe to say that Gresda and Lafferty almost certainly have played their, their last games for Rangers. Um, Stephen spoke about this the other day, saying he had to have... You know, frank and pretty honest uh, conversations with a lot of guys and basically saying you're not going to play any any football here it's best if you if you move on um, so my even times call them at the start of the week was on the Deadwood that Rangers still have around the, around the squad and I see that there is a lot of players there there's a lot of money still going out the door every week for guys that aren't even contributing little you know, for guys that are contributing absolutely nothing uh, so fairly soon that will become a quite pressing matter for Rangers to try and get some of these guys off the, off the way and out the door because you don't want them using up money uh, when you don't have to uh, spend it. But you also don't want these guys around the training centre every day. You don't want them around, around the club uh, being kind of negative influences and kind of sucking energy out of the place. So uh, I think Stephen is fairly keen to try and bring the numbers down to a more manageable level if he can. Is there exits close for any of the ones you mentioned? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Um, I said it's still fairly early in the in the window in terms of English teams doing their business. My Rangers are, are also doing theirs early because their season starts so early. If you look at the type of type of teams that most of these guys are going to go to, there's not that great an urge uh, down south for, for deals to be done uh, really early. Uh, 
wouldn't be surprised if you see Jason Holt being reunited with, with Mark Warburton. That one seems a, a kind of obvious one. Interesting to see if that happens. In terms of Lafferty, it's hard to see see where he goes. Um, in terms of Gresda, it's really hard to see where he goes because Rangers will be looking to try and recoup as much of the, the fee they paid for him last year as possible. Uh, and I'm I'm not convinced you'll get that much back for him. Um, Stephen spoke the other day about making mistakes in the transfer window last last summer. He also didn't get every one of the 15 right. Uh, and Gresda certainly has to go up amongst the more costlier mistakes that they made. So there's a bit of, a bit of tidying up to be done uh, to, get, to get rid of key legacy issues from previous managers, but also to clean up some of the mistakes that I see Rangers made this time uh, 12 months ago. Borna Barisic is probably the most interesting conundrum because it, I think it's fair to say that um, apart from a couple of early performances, he didn't really impress at Rangers at left back. He didn't look confident. Um, he looked very nervous. What is what is Stephen Gerrard going to be looking for from him this week that's going to persuade him that the mistakes and the nervousness that he, he has shown isn't going to be a factor this season going forward? I mean, he's got undoubted qualities, a Croatian left back. Where do we go from, from, from that point of view um, in terms of this week? I think Borna has to prove that he is the player that everybody thought he was this time last year when the Rangers plays Ozzyrek from Ibrox when he played in the return leg as well and everybody thought he was going to be a hard-as-nails marauding left-back and that didn't really turn out to be the case. Um, Stephen got really frustrated with the, the number of times that he was injured and the number of, the number of games that he missed, not always through serious injuries but to be niggling things and ones that Stephen maybe thought he could have played through at times. So I think Barisic has to show that he's got the mentality to, to be at Rangers. Stephen speaks a lot about players having that, that mentality and that will to win. You have to be right on, on that side of it. It's one thing being a good technical player, which I think Barisic is. I think he does have good uh, technical qualities, but you have to have that other side of it when you're a Rangers player. And that's the that's the thing he's still to really prove that he has got. Uh, now, he's ahead of Gresda in that regard because Gresda hasn't really shown that he has the technical uh, ability to beat Rangers as well as the, the mental ability. Barisic does, I think, have, have the technical attributes if he can show over this week and in the early weeks of the season that he's he's kind of got the heart, he's got the fight for it, there might still be a chance that he can like, salvage his way in his career. We've seen a lot on, on social media from the um, the players, the spirits seem high. Um, Jake Hasty's already been nicknamed Gareth Pale. Um, there was a wee bit of, of kind of camaraderie with um, Glenn Kamara using a, a Sainsbury bag to carry his stuff and things like that. What impression do you get of the squad and the general kind of happiness? Um, albeit, obviously, you, you haven't had a, a massive access to them, but you were down yesterday. Um, what's the kind of morale and, and feeling like from the squad going forward? When we were up, uh, I seen them the other day, there was a really good feeling running about the trading base and everybody seemed in, everybody seemed in good spirits. Everybody seemed happy to be there. Now, obviously, going out to train in, in the Portuguese sunshine does automatically put a smile on your face, but there, there does seem to be a good kind of vibe about the Rangers camp this year. And I think a real determination as well. You know, the manager and the coaching staff will have realised how close they came last season, but realised how, how uh, much progress that they did make. And they also really fancy their chances uh, this season as well. So I think there's been a real kind of determination to come back and hit the ground running. We've been each other's uh, company again and, and catching up with what's happened over the summer. But it's been really... Okay, business time for Rangers. It's not been a kind of laughing and joking. Uh, uh, let's spend a couple of days getting back up to speed from the 
the first day that Stevens had them back in, you can see that in the in training sessions over here as well. Rangers really are at it because we look at the, the fixtures in, in the Europa League, and we know how difficult it is to try and get through four rounds and also the start to the league campaign uh, with the old firm game coming at the end of the month as well. Rangers need to need to start well. So Stevens really had them at it. Uh, from day one, which is going to be a good thing for Rangers. Chris, just before we, we let you go, because obviously you've, you've taken your time out and you're out in Portugal at the moment, um, before we go, the European fixtures have have come out now. Um, I don't want to say rather naively, because there's not a lot we, we know about the kind of opponents, possible opponents in round one and two. Um, obviously, if it turns out to be progress, we, we've got a, a point to settle there. Um, what do you make of the draw? Um, is it naive enough to think that it should be pretty straightforward for the club and it's really round three where we should be um, thinking, you know, that's when the big guns come in? Um, do you see any potential issues with the, with the draw so far? Well, after what happened a couple of years ago in Luxembourg, you, you can never say never that there's not going to be any issues, but I think Rangers, quite rightly, should be fairly confident of getting through the first couple of ties with a minimum of of first, uh, Stephen used the, the first couple of games in, in Europe last year as kind of ex- extended, hyped up pre-season friendlies, if you like. They've also got more uh, pre-season games lined up this year than they did do last year. So it should be that wee bit sharper and that, and that bit uh, fitter going into those games. So you'd imagine they just take care of the first uh, couple, of, couple of ties, no, no matter who the, uh, who they end up being against. You would think they get through those couple of ties fairly, fairly comfortably. You then get to the third round, it's obviously Maribor last year, that really tricky tie for them. If they get a team of a, a similar standing, a similar level, you would think Rangers should get through that one as well. So there's a, another interesting debate amongst a lot of the Rangers fans about how important the Europa League is this season and how how much the Rangers really need it and how much they should go for it. But I don't think you'll get Steven Gerrard saying, we'll just forget about Europe and we'll, we'll focus our attention on the league. He, he knows how important every single game is. He knows how important it is for Rangers to, to be back in European competition. And you look at the, the financial benefits of it last year as well, there's no chance that Rangers are going to be taking Europe lightly. Um, now 12 months on, having come through the four ties, the, the team's older and wiser. They know how to handle that a bit better. Um, and I think Rangers will certainly fancy their chances of, of going all the way again, getting through those four ties and getting back into the group stages. Well, that's um, fairly positive. Um, I think that obviously we've looked at the, the potential round three opponents um, and it could be could be a massive team we get, but I do think that Rangers are more settled going into the, the season. Um, I think we've got more firepower, and I think things are more positive. Seems like a good way to end it here, Chris. You've got plans this evening um, to head for a few beers, so out there and enjoy that, mate. And we'll hopefully speak to you again soon. I will do. It. I'll leave you to it. Enjoy the rest of the show. I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Chris, for your time. All the best, guys. Thanks, guys. Seems like a, a perfect time um, Stephen to bring you in and, and ask you you've done a lot of pre-season with um, in your career and obviously with Rangers what, what's your overall thoughts of, of pre-season is it enjoyable for you or is it oh, a dread of a, a, of a hard slog it depends how you look at it I think there's um, nowadays it's a lot more sports science based than what it was a few years ago um, I think the pre-seasons that you used to get it can be quite tough and you were, you were dreading going back that first day. But I think now there's a lot of sports science involved and, and recovery involved as well. So, but to be fair, the pictures that I've seen so far for the Rangers training camp, they seem to be doing a lot of running, which um, isn't a bad thing. As I said, they've got games coming up thick and fast, especially European campaigns. So 
some players dread it, some players like it. Um, as I say, but there's different approaches for different managers and, and everybody's got a different way they, they approach the pre-season. Um, as I say, I probably didn't really enjoy most things about it, but you know as a player that to have a successful season, then you have to do it because um, that's, the, that's the priority. That's why you're there. That's the, the hard work begins then. And you know that if you do a good three, four weeks pre-season, um, then you, the, the chances you get injured throughout the season are a lot less. So um, it's a lot to take on board early on, especially the, the European fixtures, because as I said, they do come round thick and fast at, at this stage for Rangers. Um, but it's a, it's a good time to be away. And as I say, with the, the new signings, it's, it's good to have them there as well to, um, to meet the new players and stuff and get everyone settled in. So it's a really important time as a player as well, especially for the new guy. Catherine, um, I'm going to ask you here. You, you've done pre-seasons, obviously. You were, you were five years at Rangers. You've done two years in America. You're now down at Durham. How different is pre-season in Scotland compared to the methods in, in America, for example? And, and just like I was saying, Stevie, there, how, did you, how do you enjoy pre-season and, and do you look forward to it or are you weary or, or what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not one that really enjoys pre-season either. Um, especially in America, over there it was more, you were, you were seen as an athlete, so it was all about getting stronger and getting fitter. So we used to have just running sessions alone as well, whereas in Scotland you don't really have as much time as you did in America. So it was trying to get that running in, but also get the football in at the same time. So um, I think America was definitely... the but definitely harder in terms of running and stuff like that. But um, I just, I'm just not one that enjoys pre-season either, especially as I get older. Stephen, you, you obviously you've done pre-season um, under Walter. Um, you've done pre-season under Paul Le Guin. You've done pre-season out in America with Portland Timbers. Um, what is you? What do you remember as being the worst pre-season, or into, not the worst, but in terms of the most difficult? Who was the most pressing? Um, kind of coaches that you had in your career? Um, there was one that when Lee Clark, who was also played in Newcastle and stuff, came into Kilmarnock and his pre-season was really old school. So it was going back to, we went out in Marbella for a week and it was it was an absolute nightmare. It was two sessions a day, sometimes three sessions a day. We were up for a run at seven o'clock in the morning and um, back out training at half ten and then back out training in the afternoon again. So that one was, that was only three years ago. So even though that we say football's changed again with the sports scientists and the physios and the masseurs and the, and the nutritionists as well. There are still managers out there that, that like to go take it back to the old school and sometimes it's not a bad thing. Um, I think managers, when they do that type of running, they, they do those type of sessions, they see it more as character building rather than they're just running you for the sake of running because it's pre-season. They see it as a test of character and they basically they run you and you don't want the, the first player to drop out. That's the the test and that's the, the building of the characters in the squad that you want to see who sticks with it and um, as I say that's probably one probably because it was more recent as well that just sticks in my memory Catherine moving away from um, the kind of training and, and pre-season and things how happy have you been um, with Rangers business so far in the transfer market? Really pleased I think um, it's looking like an exciting season hopefully if we can get as we were talking about earlier Ryan Kent and, and then obviously Joe Aribo over the next couple of days, then I think the squad's looking really strong. I think towards the end of last season, we showed that we can compete if we can just get that consistency. And I think having a bigger squad going into this season will definitely help, hopefully, especially if we do go on a, a good European run again. I think we need a big squad, but good enough as well. Stephen, um, just essentially the same question to you. You've obviously... Um, 
you've been there, you've, you've, you've done it in, the, um, in Rangers history. What do you make so far of, of our business? Um, and what, what kind of effect do you think these guys are going to have on the team? I think it's, it's good business so far. And I think the, the key for Rangers in this window was doing the business early. I think it shows that the club's been planning and they've been ready. Um, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Mark Allen as well and the board who've actually backed the manager and he's brought in potentially seven players if Aribo gets done in the next day or two. So I think there's a lot of hard work, but it shows that there's a plan there, which is good. Um, as I say, you've got Jordan Jones in the free nice and early. Um, Steve Davis, you get Greg Stewart done quite early as well, hasty. So it's, I think the players that you paid the fees for or potential fees for Edmondson and Aribo, I think they're the right types of players that you should be going for and should be paying money. They're young. Um, they're hungry, they're ambitious and, and again, not just a football point of view if you've got a business point of view they've got potential sell-on value as well so I think the players that they've paid money for um, I think it's been the right ones and again, time will tell obviously with the performances on the pitch but so far it looks like there's a lot of planning involved and a lot of hard work behind the scenes which sometimes people don't see Catherine, out of all the, the, the guys that have come in have you got a favourite you're looking forward to seeing? Um, Probably Joe Aribo, just because he's obviously, well, we've not got him yet, but hopefully if we do, I think, um, just obviously because he's had that Premier League interest as well. Um, and I think Jordan Jones, obviously we've seen quite a bit of him last year. And I think there was games where he was quiet and there was games where he really stuck out. So I think if he can get going under Gerard, then I think he could definitely be an exciting one as well. And Stephen, what about yourself? Is there anyone that, that sticks out and... In your mind that you're really looking forward to seeing? I think Aribo will be the one that, that everybody's talking about. Again, just as Catherine said, a bit of interest um, in the age he's at and the profile he's actually got for, for somebody that's maybe only played 60, 70, 80 games. So I think the interest in him for the clubs that, that people have been mentioning shows that he's had a really good season. I think he scored 10 goals in midfield for Charlton as well. So again, that's something that, that fans like to see. They like to see goal scoring midfield players. So I think he would be the one along with Jones, who obviously I know because I played with him at Kilmarnock and I would love to see him do well. I think they're the two that um, I'm most interested in and I think could have a big impact. It's probably a good a good question for yourself, Stephen, because just touching on something that we spoke about before, you're obviously a major career on the left side of um, of, of Rangers team. You, you were left back and then some spells in left midfield, as we'll talk about. What do you what do you think about Borna Barisic and how highly do you rate him? It's, I find him interesting. And it's, it's a word I use because I obviously seen a lot of him last year. Um, I was covering the games for Rangers TV and he's someone that he's got all the attributes to be a really, really good left back. It appears to have the attributes. He's tall, he's quick, he's got great delivery, he's got a good left foot. Um, he's showed in some games he's good defensively as well. So I think all the attributes are there, but again, it's it's no good having all the attributes if you don't have the character and the mentality. They're, they're probably two of the biggest things that you have to have while you're playing for Rangers. So while he's got all the attributes, and I do think he can be a success, I think it's again. This is a massive period for him in his Rangers career because it's um, it's a period where the manager's going to be looking at him to see if he's got that character and that mentality to succeed. Catherine, we're going to look at your career. Um, obviously, it's it's a lot different being a professional women's footballer because there, there is I sometimes think an unfair criticism towards a women's game. We've seen mm-hmm. just for the World Cup on at the moment. Um, you know, a lot of observations with the men's game, which I don't think is fair. Um, there's been a lot of quality on show in the Women's World Cup. How much have you enjoyed watching that? Yeah, I think it's been a really good advert for the women's game. Um, even the Euros a, f- a few years ago, a couple of years ago, um, there wasn't as much coverage of it, but the BBC have obviously 
manage to show all the games on either BBC One or you can get them on iPlayer, which is great. And I think because it's in the summer where there's not uh, men's games on, I think people who probably wouldn't normally watch women's football are just watching it for football just because it's on. And I think people have been surprised at the level. And I think I think they've they've put out a really good advert for the game and it's, it's only going to be a positive impact going forward. Catherine, you managed to to play for your your heroes in Rangers, and you were five years at the club. What are the highlights for you um, during your time at the club, and and how much did you enjoy uh, wearing the colours of the light blues? Yeah, it was it was brilliant. Obviously, f- from a woman's perspective, it's it's difficult to kind of grow up thinking I'm going to play for Rangers. But as I got near the age of moving to another team. Rangers were starting to get a good women's side and girls set up. And um, I remember when I first I first went to Rangers, I didn't actually get signed. And then I just I just trained for around six months and eventually got signed. And um, it was just kind of after that, just really took off and just really enjoyed it. It's, it's just the same. I mean, scoring against Celtic and, and all that sort of stuff, even though it's the women's game, it still means as much to you as a Rangers player. You made your career as a versatile fullback and a midfielder. What is the, the highlight of your, your Rangers um, career? Um, I think we didn't win anything, which is disappointing when I was at Rangers, but I think when um, Angie Hind was our manager, she she came in and really turned the women's side around. And um, we finished second that season behind Glasgow City, who were obviously miles ahead of everyone else at that point. So I think finishing second, it was a really good season for us. I think we finished fourth or fifth the year before. So we really had a positive season that year, but uh, it's it's obviously not winning the league. So it's, it's not as good. But I think that was a really good season just for Rangers women's team to get kind of out there. Your favourite goal um, during your time with Rangers? I scored. A really good goal, which is not like myself, from outside the box against Celtic at Lennox Town as well. So um, that one always sticks in the memory. You then went um, out to America. How did that move move come about? And how how different was America compared to your time at Rangers? Yeah, so Angie Hind, who was the women's manager, moved from Rangers to America and... I was at university at Strathclyde at the time. I had been there for around two years and she moved to university there. So I ended up just transferring on a scholarship. I obviously knew Angie as a coach and I thought she was a brilliant coach, probably the best coach I've had. And it was kind of a no-brainer just to move over and and live in America. It was something that I always wanted to do and um, getting the opportunity and having familiar coaches, I think, really helped um, but it was it was definitely different over there. I think, as I said before, all the Americans are athletes. The technical g- side of the game is maybe not as good as you would see over in Scotland or England, but um, it was a really good experience and, and one that I, I really enjoyed. I was there for two and a half years, so um, yeah, loved it. You're now back um, on British soil and you're at Durham. How are you enjoying life down south and how do you, how are you able to keep up with um, Rangers and all the latest news from down there? Yeah, it's, it's good. I've been going into my third season now with Durham. We start pre-season next week. So um, it's, it's good. 
I mean, we're playing in the championship, which is the second league. So we have some really good teams. We had Man United last year in our league, who obviously just formed the women's team. And then we had exciting cup games in the FA Cup. We had Chelsea as an FA Cup semi-final, eh, quarter-final, sorry, which was was brilliant. Obviously, they, a lot of their players at the World Cup now. So um, it's a good level, and it's really I really enjoy it. Um, in terms of keeping up with Rangers, I've got my season ticket, so I'll try and get up on the Friday night. Usually, if they've got a game on the Saturday, then I'll head back down. We have games on Sundays. Um, obviously, it's it's bittersweet when we do well in Europe because all the games get moved to Sunday, which means I can't go because I've got my own game. Um, but overall, it's it's quite good. I managed to make quite a lot of the games. So I've already checked the first old firm and I can make that one. So quite happy with that. Good girl, always looking out for the priorities. That's what we like. Finally, just to ask you, um, you obviously... I've been away from Rangers uh, women's side now for a, for a few years. They're they're getting a lot more support from the club. There's um, a lot more kind of financial um, help. There's talk of them getting finally to play at Ibrox. Um, Amy McDonald um, is kind of seems to be growing the the ladies' side as uh, as a whole. What where do you see the differences between the times that you were at the club and where they are now? I think it was just, as you were saying there, support from the club. <clears throat> we used to train at um, Murray Park or the Hummel Training Centre, as it now, is now known. But we would have to wait until the boys' teams were out. So I think we used to train at 8 o'clock at night and until 10. And then there was a few of us from Ayrshire, so we weren't getting home till 11 o'clock. So I think now they've got their own training facilities where they'll go and train and... It's just that's just support from the club, and I think they've got a good setup in terms of all the youth players going through as well, which is what you need at a club like Rangers. And I think if they can just keep progressing and getting more support, then I think in the next few years they'll definitely, you know, start going places. I think you're you're obviously going to be competing with the likes of Glasgow City, who are have been the top team for a while. But I think overall in the in the women's league, a lot of the teams, you know, Hearts, Hibs, Rangers, Celtic, they're all starting to support their women's teams now, which is great to see. Catherine, that's a, a brilliant insight into uh, the women's game and your, and your time at the club. We're going to now um, speak to Stevie, obviously, about his time at Rangers, and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about the season ahead just before we finish. But Stevie, coming to you, um, your first spell at the club, you joined um, 2002 to 2010. Your debut in 2004 against Hearts. Um, always remember seeing you play, and everybody was very excited by um, what we saw early on. How did it feel to make your debut for Rangers? Um, it was obviously a great feeling. It was something that, at the time, you just I took it all in and thought it was normal, um, which was a wee bit um, strange, as I say, because you're. It's all you've ever wanted to do. I mean, I was at Rangers film was eight or nine years old, so I spent a long period at the club. I grew up at the club, so it meant actually quite a lot. But at that time, I was probably quite naive to think that everything was just normal. That's the way it was always supposed to be. Um, it probably meant a lot for your family as well, they're watching and, and things like that. But as a player, it was strange because obviously it was, it was a great feeling, but to me it was the way it should have been and it was, it was normal. And I think coming through the youth system, you have to work really hard, so... I think it was a sign of the hard work paying off for the youth system point of view for all the coaches that I'd worked with and, and, and things like that. But I think then in terms of the first team, it was just the, the start of the hard work. I think 
at that time it had basically been drilled into us as, as young players that don't think once you make your debut for the first team that it, that's you made it. It's That's when the hard work really begins. Did you ever feel, um, obviously as a, as a youngster, coming into the first team and making your, your debut at Ibrox, and we, we are not, I think it's fair to say the Ibrox crowd is, is not the most patient. Did you ever feel any nerves or, or were you never feel any kind of um, anticipation of, 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 of playing in front of the crowd or playing for Rangers or, or like you said, was it just a natural progression into the first team for you and a, and a confidence that I'm where I should be? I think when, when I first broke through, I had I done quite well at the beginning, which obviously helps and, and you get a lot of praise and there's a period when you first break through maybe 15, 20 games where you're maybe making mistakes, but because you're young and you're, you're learning and, and the, the Rangers fans want to see their own coming through. So I think they, they let you away with a little bit. I think in terms of the, the atmosphere and I think obviously that changed when you could go to my second period at the club. I think there was a lot of things going on off the pitch which everybody knows about. It's well documented. Uh, myself playing in a position that I didn't really see myself playing in. But again, you do it because the manager asks you and things like that. So in, in terms of the crowd and um, maybe the crowd changing a little bit because it's a big club and the expectations. I think the second time round you probably felt the negative energy more than Obviously, the first time round where we were, we were quite successful. We'll talk a wee bit more about the, the dynamics of your, of your second spell, but looking at going back, journeying back, 2005, um, your mayor's now is as first choice left back. Um, it's fair to say that hopes are high for you being one of the, the best um, kind of youth players that have came through the training centre. 2005, obviously 2006, was a bit bittersweet, if memory serves me right, because we weren't firing all cylinders on, in the league, but we had a great Champions League run and, and lots of good games, Villarreal and things like that. How was Alex McLeish with you as a manager? He's someone that I'll always be grateful to for, for giving me my debut. He showed that trust in me at a time where potentially Rangers could have spent money and, and, and signed another left-back. I think they already had a few at the club. Like Michael Ball and, and Vanoli and, and people that were a lot more experienced than me, Ian Murray as well. So it was a period of the club where there was competition for places and there was probably finances there to go and sign someone else. So I'll always be grateful for him for being brave enough to put me in. And I think that the, the day I made my debut, I probably wasn't ready physically uh, in terms of size and, and physicality to play in the league, but he still showed that trust and that bravery to put me on that day at half time. So that's something that I'll always be grateful for. Alex McLeish brings his time at the club to an end and there's a huge optimism with the arrival of Paul Le Guin. Um You sign another new contract, everything's looking good, um, first choice left back, Rangers start well under Le Guin, um, arguably do very well in Europe. What was, before we talk a wee bit more about what eventually happened with Paul Le Guin, what was Paul Le Guin like with you as a coach um, Method-wise, and, and how did you enjoy working under him? I think it's. I think if you asked, I've said this before. I think um, publicly. I think if you asked the majority of players at that time, they would have a different story to tell. My story was probably different as I was a young player. Uh, I think when he first got announced as a the manager, there was probably nerves there that again he's a big name manager. Um, he'd done a really good job at Leon, and he was coming into a club where again he could potentially go and spend money and replace you. But I think he'd, he'd done an interview. I think it was Rangers TV before the players actually started back and he mentioned the youth system and he mentioned the young players at the time who we had and that gave me a wee bit more confidence because I actually thought at least he knows who I am that was that was uh, my, my thought process at the time and then all of a sudden he gets the job and he comes in he was always he was always good to me he was always trying to coach me um, again 
if you ask the more experienced players, there were certain things that, that probably went on that um, shouldn't have. Um, but their opinions would, would be different to mine. As I said, I don't know what happened in these meetings. And again, I was playing at the time. And as a young player at 18, 19, your priority is you just want to play. Because I had a, obviously had my breakthrough season the year before and you don't want to let that slip away. So again, he was playing me every week and the results weren't ideal. The performances weren't ideal and there was obviously all the stuff off the pitch, but it probably had more effect on the senior players and the experienced players rather than someone like me who had just broke into the team, just moved into the first team changing room and was still desperate to impress really. As the season progresses under Paul Le Guin, Rangers are doing well in Europe. Um, some excellent results. We won out in Italy, I think for the first time ever. Um, there's a good a good Scottish quartet. Charlie Adams doing really well. Um, Chris Boyd up front. Barry Ferguson. As we then know, things take a turn for the worse. Um, and there's a whole Ferguson Gate. There's rumours of of kind of the dressing room up in arms. You're a young boy at that point, as you you've just said. You weren't kind of primarily involved in anything like that. But what was it like for you? Obviously, the whole Gavin Ray as captain and things like that, it must have been, the dressing room must have been, I don't know the right word to explain this, it it couldn't have been an easy place to be in at that point. It certainly wasn't an easy place, but again, when I sit and look back at it now, I've obviously got a lot more thoughts on it than I did at the time, because at the time, I was that young, Um, but I think when you look back now, I think when you you look at Paul Le Guin in terms of a manager, there were certain situations that he could have dealt with a whole lot better, which everybody knows. I think there was a group of experienced players there that likes your Barry Ferguson, who's one of the best players that I've ever played with. You have to deal with these guys in a different way. I'm not saying that you give in to these people and, and they dictate how you do your job, but there's there's an element of when it's your best players, you've got to give them a little bit of respect. And as I say, there was things went on at the time that I thought I didn't think too much about because again I was young, but now when you look back, there's so many things that not just Paul Gwen, but I think it's a group as a group of players maybe could have done different. Um but again, that's just the, the, the nature of football. And I've said it before as well, I think he was maybe the right manager at the wrong time. I think he he had all the right ideas, and it, but it was just really, really difficult for him to get across to that change room at that time. Paul Le Guin goes um, around New Year time. Um, Walter Smith is quickly appointed. Ali McCoy joins him, Kenny McDowell. At this time, it kind of spells the start of a really difficult period for you. You were 15 months out with a pelvic injury and then you had hernia issues. How difficult was it for you around that time? And what was the what was the, the main issue with, with the pelvic injury? It was, I'm not going to lie, it was a difficult time. Um, and again, I, I say it was, at that time, it was probably more difficult for my family rather than myself because they don't know the ins and outs and I did get all the people, obviously you've, you've made your breakthrough and everyone was talking about you and they get the, the supporters coming up to them at the games or in, in Asda, if your grand's in Tesco asking them, is he going to have to retire? Because all these these questions were getting asked about myself. So it was probably more difficult for them. And I think for myself, the difficulty in it was nobody actually knew what the problem was. That was the, the big issue. And the club were, the club were great to me in, in, in terms of sending me to the best specialists, the best people the best surgeons, the, the club done everything that they could in that whole period to get me back fit. And again, that's something I'll always be grateful for because there's loads of clubs that I've been to since that would maybe have disregarded a player after a six months period where there's no any progress. So again, all the, the physios and the doctors and, and the managers that, that worked with me at the time that 
they had the faith to send me to these people and sometimes it was going abroad for operations and stuff and I know these things cost a lot of money so it's again it's something I've got to be thankful for but in terms of being difficult it was probably more difficult for my family if I was being honest. You were then from that it, it took a while to re-establish yourself you were fit for a while but never really made the breakthrough Manchester had obviously been and gone and Walter Smith was building something we had we had a good we had a good side um, you come back into the team and it's very much a kind of cameo role at left midfield um, Sasha Papach obviously very strong at left back but you grew into the, the position made it your own for the running um, as Rangers sealed their title you also played in um Scottish League Cup against St Mirren it must have been hugely satisfying for you to re-establish your, yourself back in that team um, that had already been so successful under Walter Smith. It was, and at that time we had a, a really good squad and for the length of time that I'd actually been out injured it was so difficult to get back in. Uh, I mean there was guys, there was international players sitting in the stand that couldn't get in the 18 and things like that and it, it, it was just a really good standard to play but it was a really good changing room as well and obviously Walter and, and Alan McCoy and Ian Durant and Kenny McGill they brought that that environment and that's the environment that they like to work in so but for me for being out for that period of time I probably thought that I was ready to come back in earlier than I actually was I think I had a period of training for maybe three four months where I was I was thinking I'm ready and I wasn't and it took a wee bit longer and again that was probably on part my fault as well because again I'm I'm, I'm thinking I'm ready and someone under the games you played for the, the reserves at the time of under 20s my performances weren't great but in my mind I still thought I was ready to go back into the first team environment and I wasn't um, and then it just all it, it just clicked maybe one day or one week I can't say specifically what it was but I started to get back to the levels that I knew I was capable of but maybe my body wasn't letting me go there just yet because I'd been out for so long um, and I was fortunate again not fortunate but there was a few injuries uh, in the game that I actually came back for I think it was Murrow Ibrooks and the game was playing wide left and at that time I did feel ready and I was ready and, and they did say to me oh, you deserve it you've been working hard and, and things like that so again it was difficult with the the level and ability that was in the squad but to be involved at that time of the season with that squad um, again I'm, I'm thankful for that because again it was a successful end to the season for us Just touching on that end to the season um, league winners it must have been hugely satisfying for you because as I said you were there from you know the age of 8 or 9 you said yourself that, but you've actually without this this sounding bad you've, you've actually made a, a major influence on that last period I remember that time there was injuries I remember Andreas Felica came in and he, he was he was scoring goals for fun up front and it, and your performances on left midfield were really good especially your delivery which is something at the time that we'd been missing how satisfying was that for you finally to win um, properly win a, a league title with the club again it was it was just good to be back involved and I get that period I think that the, the old firm game that came after that I think we were maybe a point or two points in it between us and Celtic and out of the game we managed to win the game one nothing. so that's I think Steve Davis scored at the back post so I, th- I think that was one of the most satisfying games that I'd actually played in because you felt like Again, everybody in the build-up to that game had, had built up to being a title decider and um, everybody thought that as well. But Walt Smith, one thing he always used to say is the game before and the game after are just as important as, as the old firm games. And I think we managed to obviously beat Celtic and then drop points at Hibs the next week. Um, so again, just to be back in and back into that time under under pressure because that's what, what Rangers is, that it's a pressurised environment where you have to win 
and you have to win trophies. And again, to be involved at that time was was good for me. And again, it was a lot of hard work, not just for me, for a lot of physios and doctors and surgeons and everyone at the club who kind of stuck by me when, again, they didn't have to. So it was a kind of reward for everybody, not just myself. I must say, um, looking at it from outside coming in, there was there was part of the, the fan base that thought that we, we wouldn't see you again because there was obviously the retirement rumours and um, it, it was a horrendous injury. And as you said, nobody could kind of pinpoint what was happening. Um, that was It was particularly satisfying for me. I always like to see um, our young players come through and do well um, at Full Lives of Dream. We're huge supporters of, of the youth development and we do as much as we can to try and raise money and things. So from my point of view, it was, it was hugely, hugely satisfying to watch you kind of come back and, and help um, win trophies and do so well. But that takes us nicely. Obviously, then 2010 comes and you leave, you have your time away in America, um, a couple of spells at other clubs. You come back 2013 um, under Ali McCoy. What was it like to get the, the call to come back to the club? It was it was actually a period where obviously the MLS season runs different. So I was back for a period over Christmas where, if I'm being honest, my whole intention was always to go back to Portland. That was the there was never any doubt that I was going to be going back there. I'd already kind of pre-agreed that I was going to stay for another season, and and then at the last minute the club changed the goalpost with the contract and, and things like that, which happens in football. But I'd actually been in training the Rangers in between just to try and keep my fitness up. And I think when the club found out or the manager found out that there was maybe a doubt I was going back to the MLS, they, they said that, or they put the idea in, how would you feel about coming back? And obviously, for me at that time, it was by far the best option I was going to get. Um, so it was it was a kind of no-brainer for me. And again, it was at that time in my career, would I ever have had the chance if the club wasn't in the situation it was in? Definitely not, because there's, I think there's players that leave Rangers like your Barry Ferguson's etc who are top top players and they get the chance to come back because of their ability levels where with me it was maybe a wee bit different I think basically the reason I got, got to come back was because of the, the difficult situation that the club found itself in which was unfortunate You touch obviously on that there was obviously so much going on off the pitch um, we were trying to get back to, to where we should be um, nobody in the stand was was really happy with how the club was being run. Attendances were down, boycotts and things like that. How important and how vital was Ali McCoist as manager at that time? I think again there was there was loads of question marks over Ali McCoist as a manager, and he's someone who I've got a huge amount of respect for in terms of he's always been good to me. He's always looked after me. He's always tried his best for me. Um, I think a lot of the question marks over him as a manager and again I don't think I realised personally how much he actually had to deal with off the pitch until maybe the last two two months of his, his, his term as manager I think then it started to become obvious that he was dealing with an awful lot off the pitch which people will, will sometimes look at you and say oh you're making excuses because you like him or, or things like that I, I'm not making excuses for him I think it's just the, the reality of the situation he had to deal with so many things off the pitch that in a normal situation, I don't think a Rangers manager would obviously have to deal with. I think for a lot of people, um, Ali McCoy, he certainly was for me, that's undoubtedly the darkest period um, I've ever had following Rangers. And I don't think it's unfair to say that Ali McCoy was, was my one shining light because I thought to myself, if, if Coyce is still there, 
then you know we can cling on to that at least. And and it wasn't you know it wasn't great under McCoyst all the time, and, and we can argue about everything. But there was some highs. Um, League One um, unbeaten, which is is not something that a team does all that much. It's not something that the Rangers fans will really boast or, or talk about. But we went obviously every game at that level is is difficult, but. What was it like for a squad um, to manage to do that and how much did you enjoy that part of it? Honestly, I don't think I can say I actually enjoyed it. I thought, no being disrespectful to any of the clubs that were in League One at the time and it wasn't a time that was really enjoyable as I played at the club, obviously because of the stuff that was going on off the pitch and the, the amount of negativity that I spoke about. Um, again, you're going unbeaten in a season which is at any level people say that's a great achievement but Again, Rangers were in a situation that they should never have been in. And us as a group of players, we're trying to deal with it the best we can. And again, it's something else I've said publicly. I think the, the players that we signed at the time, I think we as a group of players let the manager down. I think in terms of when we got to the championship, I think the players that we signed or the players that we had certainly weren't Rangers quality in terms of the players that we'd seen before. But I think they were certainly good enough to get us out of that championship. So that for me was a big disappointment. And I don't really think too much of the, the the year that we won League One and we were unbeaten because to me that was it might sound again disrespectful but that was never where I had seen Rangers before and it's never ever where I wanted Rangers to be and the performances still weren't great even though we went unbeaten so it was just a really difficult time to beat the club as a player That's very honest um, I suppose it's in some ways it's you can relate to it because we all felt that in the stand um, there was at times a very kind of a, a poisonous atmosphere I remember one of the the cup game, Scottish Cup against um, Wraith Rovers, we, you know, there was barely 10,000 there and, and things like that. So, obviously, it was a difficult time. Looking back on it, though, Stephen, as, as your career at a whole at Rangers, um, what would you say was your was your proudest and, and best moment? You know, obviously, everybody says their debut and things like that, which was great. I think the Villarreal game, at the time, again, you're young, you're playing the Champions League knockout stages, but you're naive to meet that time. I thought this was going to be every year. I thought this is going to be, a, this is normality, this is the way my career's going to go. Um, now when you look back on it, and I hadn't done so until recently when I retired, that you realise how big an occasion it actually was because it's not the norm. It's not normal for, whether it's right or wrong, it's not normal for Scottish clubs to get to that stage of European competitions now. So it was a big achievement, it was a big game, it was a big atmosphere and when you look at the opposition you're playing against in the terms of the players and the quality, then that was a big achievement. But at the time, again, I keep saying that word naive, but I, I must have been because that, I just thought that was always going to be normal. I thought this was going to be every season and um, and it, it certainly wasn't. So I think the, the Villarreal game and then obviously winning trophies, that's the, that's the be-all and end-all Rangers for my point of view. When you're growing up at eight or nine and you've come up under guys like John Brown and Tommy McLean and Ian Durant and people like that. So, it's always been drilled into you that the most important thing is to do is win trophies and again that I was I was fortunate enough to be in a position to do that. A couple of quick questions then before we go. I always like to ask people. Um you scored a lot of free kicks, which was was, was something that um I never really seen as, as part of your game, certainly as a youngster. So probably a nice question to ask you. What's your favourite Rangers goal? I think my first one against Unfermont, which obviously wasn't a free kick. I think I've scored better goals in terms of quality with, with the likes of the free kicks but I think just with that being my first one and I can just remember the feeling when your name gets shouted over the tannoy after you've scored there was a again I was just broken at the team I was one of the youth players who was coming in as you said that that's what the fans want to see they want to see young players doing well so I think it was actually the feeling after 
so that when Dunfermline takes centre and the, the, your name's over the tunnel, you scored. I think it was the reception I got after that is the thing that will always stick with me. I think that was the the biggest moment and probably the proudest moment as well. Again, at that point, I don't think the team was actually doing that well, but to get that reception tell, told me at that time that I must have been doing something right. Who was the, the biggest influence on your career um, during your time at Rangers? I think obviously everybody would be, my mum and dad would be the first two, obviously, which everybody would normally say, but I think John Brown was a massive, um, in my career at that time, he was a massive, had played a massive part because I get he was actually, he grew up in the same area that I grew up in. And I think in terms of his coaching style, I think it was something that I thrived on. And I say this all the time as well. I think coaching's obviously changed now in terms of how you go about it and people talk about old school coaches and old school managers. And there's probably players that I played with at that time at 16, 17, 18 at Rangers who hated that style of coaching and that style of management. But for me, I thrived on it. He was someone who, if you gave him everything, he gave you everything back. And, that's, and it was 100% hard work. Um, but something I liked at the time. Obviously, coaching's changed, management's changed, but at that time, for me, I loved playing under him, so he had a massive part to play in my development. And finally, I think um, it's always um, always interesting to ask this question, but obviously Walter Smith is a, a legendary figure at Rangers. We think of him as you know disciplinarian, doesn't take any nonsense. Were you ever on the end of, of Walter Smith um, losing the plot, shall we say, or what was the worst Walter Smith um, kind of incident you ever saw? I was never on the end of of it personally. I did see it, but not to the extent. I think in his younger days as a manager, obviously it was again. I mentioned the coaching's changed, the management's changed. Even I think Walter had changed a lot compared to when he first started out in management. Um, and I, I think when he came back the second time, he didn't have to say anything. That that was the thing. Everybody knew where they stood in, as a group. And as I mentioned, we had a really good change. And we knew the standards that he set. And if we dropped below that, he didn't even have to say anything because there was a group of players at the time with guys like your Barry Ferguson, David Weirs, Dado Puzzles at the end, his career, people like that who who would speak as well. And when they speak, you listen. So I think there was a... He was fortunate, again, he had a good change in him. But I did see him one day, I think it's well done, it was David Weir and Kyle Lafferty at Pataudry when things weren't going too well. And again, he didn't have to say much because the players handled the changing room as well. And when he, again, when Walter came in, when everything had calmed down and he, he didn't have to raise his voice, it was when he, again, when he speaks, he'd definitely listen. But he's, everything he said was in a really calm manner, but probably with a wee bit of aggression. But it was never ever the, the hairdryer treatment that you hear that players used to get 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't think that um, that style of management lasts nowadays very long. So I think he was he was more controlled, and but again, he knew he was unhappy just by his face. So he didn't re- never ever really had to say much. It was just always his face just to tell you the story that you need to know. Stephen and Catherine, I would just like to to thank you both for a, a brilliant insight into your time at Rangers. Um, you're both obviously professionals. You've you've done fantastic um, at high level, both. Of you. Before we, we end the pod, I always think it's uh, interesting to see we've, we've had what, what I think was a good season last year in terms of, yes, we haven't won anything and, and that's never good enough, but I think that everybody can see that progress has been made. Season ahead, it has to be silverware. How realistic is it for us, Stephen, to think that we're in with a good chance of, of finally winning Major honours, if not the major one in the league title. 
I think if you watched, if there was a lot of arguments last year about have Rangers improved, have they not? I think if you watch Rangers enough, you know it was blatantly obvious there was massive improvements. From my point of view, anyway, I think in my last season at Commander, when we played against Rangers, that compared to the, the team that I watched the year after, there was massive, massive improvements. And again, I, I seen last season as more of a, a building process. And again, I mentioned earlier about the, the beyond end of Rangers as winning trophies. I think last year for Steven Gerrard was going to be really difficult his first season with the rebuilding that he had to do in terms of the squad and even the training centre and things like that. There was loads of loads of work that needed done. And I think now this season the, the building process is finished. And I think this year it has to be a trophy. And I think when you watch the games towards the end of the season, obviously the old firm games highlight this, that Rangers are more than ready and more than capable of, of going and winning the title, in my opinion. I think there may be one or two players short he, he, he won in the title and I think they've got every chance of doing so I think again going back to the old firm games I think the two games that they played against Celtic they were by far and away the better side in different ways as well I think the first old firm game they won it from more of a physical aspect the second game they just dominated with quality play and again they showed on that occasion that they're more than capable of matching Celtic but now again it's about finding consistency to produce those performances week after week and also find a way to win when you're not at the top of your game. I think that's going to be a priority for Rangers as well. When they do drop below that 100% level, find a way to win. Catherine, 55 this year, what's your thoughts? Absolutely. Um, I'm positive going into the season. I think, obviously, at Christmas, everyone was on a high after that old firm win and then I think the players kind of let everyone down. I think, obviously, with the European run beforehand as well, I think it did show that we were maybe not quite there yet. But I think, just as Stephen was saying there as well, I think towards the end of the season there, um, we really started to hit a bit of form. So I think it's just just all about consistency. And I think if we do get a couple of players in and and keep everyone fit, I think um, obviously Stephen Davis, towards the end of the season, he started to hit a bit of form. And then Glenn Kamara as well, we only had him for six months. So I think they'll almost be like new signings as well going into the season. And then Barisic as well, if we can get him playing at his best, then I think there's no reason why we can't win the league. And I think that's got to be our priority. I'm I'm personally not really caring about anything else. I just want to be celebrating title 55 come May. I think that's got to be it for the club this year. Um, I don't think we'll get a better opportunity. I think that um, the current champions are in a bit of... I don't think turmoil's not the right word. I think that possibly they're in a bit of um, well, they're they're certainly not as as strong um, and as fluent as they've been in, in under Brendan Rodgers in recent years. I think they've got some rebuilding to do. So I don't think Rangers have got that massive amount of rebuilding to do. And hopefully, this is a year for us. Um, on that, I would just like to thank our guest tonight, Catherine Hill, um, giving us a brilliant insight into women's football and her time um, at Rangers and obviously we wish her all the best for our new season in Durham um, this year. We'll be keeping a close eye out, Catherine. Feel free to come back on and, and keep us updated with your your season and how yeah. it's going and thanks for, for coming on and thanks for giving up your time. Yeah, thanks a lot. I've really enjoyed it. And also a massive thank you to um, Stephen Smith for, uh, I'd like to say, his honesty um, about his time um, at Rangers during both spells it's it's great to hear um, somebody being so honest and and, um, and talking about their time at the club Stephen thanks very much for joining us and thanks very much 
for giving up your time and coming along and talking to us. No problem, enjoyed it, thank you. And just before we go, um, as usual, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Jersnet um, for allowing us to do this. And um, also, I know a huge thank you to Graham, who gives up lots of his time to host this and then edit afterwards. Um, also, before we go, just a, a quick update. I am hosting the first ever Four Lads Had a Dream live question and answer session on the 30th of August in the Loudoun Tavern um, between 7pm and 10pm. Joining me on stage uh, will be Chris Jack, um, who joined us before in the show, and also Charlie Miller and the brilliant Archie Knox. And we will be talking about all things Nine Row, Walter, um, Europe, Marcy, all the big talking points from that period. Um, in the second half of the show, we are joined by Barry Ferguson and Lee McCulloch, again to discuss Manchester, Paul Le Guin, Scotland and everything Rangers in a no-holds-barred Q&A. Tickets are £20. They will go on sale on Friday from the Four Lads Twitter. And if anyone um, like to come along, please just keep an eye on that. And all our profits will go to Rangers Youth development company, RYDC. We're a huge fan of them. We're a huge fan of Colin Stewart and everything he's done for the club. i uh, also like to point out as well that Barry Ferris and Lee McCulloch and the guys have, have all waived their fee to, to come along and speak to us about their time. So we are hoping that we can get four or £5,000 um, from the night and, and give it to Rangers Youth Development. We've got some cracking raffle and auction prizes. Let Me Repair UK have um, sponsored the night so there's it's not beyond realms of possibility that you could come along and uh, win yourself an iPad or a laptop um, so that should be fun on the Saturday morning waking up hangover wondering how you've done that but um, as again thanks very much to all our guests thanks to Catherine thanks to Stevie thanks to Chris for giving up his time and joining us in Portugal um, thanks to everybody for listening and um, until next time ignore the nonsense the irrelevant and the noise <laughs>